This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, October 22nd, 2023. The Resistance Norms. Connection Church. This is just a glorious day to be part of God's kingdom. I mean, how can you beat it? The sun's out. Things are just glorious. Amen. There was a beautiful Amen. rainbow this yeah. morning when I came out yeah. of the um, neighborhood. Here in the sanctuary, oh. there at home, wherever you might be. Welcome and welcome and welcome. My name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks for being here. It's great to see all of you. All right, I've had a couple people, more than a couple, ask me, how was the Dove Awards last week? Here's the proof. We were here, the Dove Awards. We heard that, you know, that singer that was just on there, Brooke Lingerfield, she was there. Um, let's see. We sing Goodness of God here. It's, it's like the top worship song. That one is the top worship song. And Jen Johnson from Bethel, uh, she co-wrote it, and she was there accepting the award. And one of my favorite songs is Gratitude. So I'll lift up my hands and praise you again and again. I love that song, and the guy who wrote it won. His name's Brandon Lake, so he was there. For King and Country was there. Um, Michael W. was there. Um, woo! It was so good. And we had a great time in Nashville. And um, I just have to say, though, that this team, I'll put them right up there on that stage, too. They are awesome. Their hearts are in the right place. They... They bring me into worship and into, you know, prepare my heart for God. And tonight, a lot of them are going to be doing some of their special performing. Paul's going to be singing one of his original songs that's on, you know, wherever you stream music. And Diane, who plays here, and Ryan, who's back there, they're going to do a piano uh, viola selection. We've got comedy with... Um, Jeremy and Missy, they're always fun. And Turner and Stephanie and our little grands are going to be singing, so you got to come. It's going to be a great night, but it's an important night for um, the shoebox ministry. So, um, yeah. Well, let's go ahead, and I need to get focused on what God wants us to share today. Let's go ahead and pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for this day. It's a day that you've made. Thank you for gathering us as the family of God right here um, at this place, those who were here this morning earlier and those who are joining us online. Bind us together. Help us have that one, one purpose to connect people with Jesus, our mission, and the new life that he offers. Lord, we give you this time. Settle us in. Remove any distractions. We pray all this in your holy name. Everybody agreed and said, amen. Amen. So it was 1978, just a couple years ago. We were living in Seaford. It was a Sunday, I don't know if it was morning or afternoon, but anyway, Pete, a teacher friend, and I went down to Salisbury, the Salisbury Mall. Any of you have ever been to the Salisbury Mall in Salisbury, Maryland? Yeah, it's the old mall, not the new one, the old one. And, um, and it was, uh, like I said, it was a Sunday, and we pull in ready to do a little shopping, and the place was empty, completely empty, not a, not a car in the lot. We wondered what was going on. Any of you familiar with something called blue laws? 
1978, the blue laws were still in effect in Maryland, and those are laws that um, they're passed to observe and promote Sunday, in this country, Sunday as a Christian day of worship. <laughs> Boy, that's going back, isn't it, 78, because anyway. Um, at one time, they restricted nearly all activities on a Sunday other than what they would call essential services like hospitals, emergency rooms, maybe gas station, maybe a drugstore for, you know, uh, prescriptions or whatever. Um, you know, Delaware had them too, uh, but in 78, that applied mostly just to the sale of alcohol, <laughs> and even that now is kind of going by the wayside. Um, some places still have blue laws. It's interesting to know, when I was looking this up on, on the internet, um, a lot of places still do not allow the sale of automobiles on Sunday. What's that about? I don't know. I didn't, I, I didn't have time to research. I'll, I'll leave that to you to find that out if you're interested. But it's not just in the U.S. Austria, Germany, Normandy, or I mean Norway, Poland. Uh, mo- in those countries, most of the stores are, are required, not choose, required to close on Sunday. Wow. And so in this area... Maryland included, Sunday seems like just another day of the week. Nowadays. Nowadays, it's just another day of the week. Yes, offices are closed on Sunday, but they're closed on Saturday, too. It has mm. nothing to do with, you know, Christ, uh, being a Christian society. It's just the way it is. But retail stores, they're open. Uh, business as usual, and I am guilty. I go. I shop. It's like, yeah, I'm going to run here. I have time today. And, and I utilize all the benefits of things being open on Sunday. Yep, business as usual. Except there is, there is an exception. How about Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby? Yeah, yeah. So they've made a conscious effort, you know, to close because they want to be able to honor the Lord's Day. And, um, and that's great. Anybody remember uh, Family Christian Bookstore up in Bear? And also over by the mall. Over by the mall. I love that. I did like 90% of my gift shopping there. I just go, I loved it, loved it, loved it. Remember when they opened on Sunday? They started, uh, they opened. They had been closed forever, and now they're open on Sunday. I can't find Family Christian anymore. They're not there. Really sad. They went bankrupt. They went bankrupt in 2017. So Sunday sales are not the answer to a failing business. Mm. And so in our country, at least in this area, some sections of the country, not so much, but especially in this area, it seems that we're getting further and further away from the norm, the cultural norm, being God-centered, Christ-centered. When we were in Texas, though, it still felt like more God-centered. Yeah, that's why I say different sections of the country, and this is one of the lesser ones. And we understand, because you know, Christians are not the only ones here. There are other belief systems um, in fact, where, where 80.1% of Americans 
self-identified as Christian in 2008, that percentage has slipped almost 20% down to 63 point, 63% in 2021. That's, that's 13 years, right? Slipped almost 20%. Now, self-identifying is interesting because if all the people that claim to be Christian were in church on said we wouldn't have room to house them all. So self-identification is one thing. Self-practicing is another. It's one thing to say, yes, I am. It's another thing to actually live it out day by day. Um, but that being said, this, this morning we continue our series, The Resistance, and today we're talking about norms, how we resist God by choosing societal norms as opposed to Christian norms. It's a tough sermon. It steps on my toes. I've got like um, a little black and blue. But it's important to share what we're going to be talking about today. Let's start out with scripture. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Mm. Pattern of this world seems to be moving away from God rather than toward God. Thinking about TV, um, do you guys remember the Lucy show? You don't? Uh, okay. Um, things were so prudent that Lucy and Ricky were in separate beds, even though in real life they were married. You remember, right? And I think that used to be the one had to have a foot on the floor at all times. It, 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 was, it was crazy. So were the, I think, Dick Van Dyke. I remember uh, maybe that. It was, but they, they were definitely being separate, you know. But um, Now, let's transport to 2023. And what we see pumped in our homes on TV. Do you see a little bit of a difference? Now, on the one hand, with Ricky, it was almost a little ridiculous. But now it's definitely ridiculous, I think. And I might be being judgmental here, but I, I, I'm, I'm not sure God would really say, yeah, that's my kind of show with, um, you know, all kind of stuff between men and women who aren't married. You know, that you, you read the scriptures, there's, a, there's an order to the way things are supposed to be. And, and we get further and further and further. And what happens is that becomes the norm, doesn't it? That becomes the norm. And the point here is today not to be judgmental. That's not our purpose. But it's just to observe how there's kind of a slow fade that happens. Do you know what I mean by a slow fade? Little by little by little. And then that's the norm. Like, like lang the language you hear. You know, it used to be, whoo. Now it's like, yeah. It, it doesn't even phase us because we get almost numb because these things are, are so over and over and over. Growing but up, we huh? weren't allowed to say darn. <laughs> or, stu or stupid. Stupid, yeah, all that. <laughs> yeah, 
We could say darn in my house, yeah. Um, but these are contrary. You know, God has an, an order to things. God has some norms. God, God has what, what he expects or doesn't expect, and we're getting slowly further and further away. And the more it happens, the more we get used to it, the more we accept it, the more that order of things becomes our order of things. Can I get an amen? And, and, we do, and we don't even realize it almost, you know? We, we get lulled into it because it's such a slow thing. I mean, I'm guilty. I'm, I'm not saying, I, I'm, that's right here. I'm looking in the mirror here. Uh, and we, we have to be on, on high alert almost because we've gotten lulled into this thing further and further to, from God's norms, further and further from what calls, God calls us to be and what God calls us to do. You know, I was just thinking about um, something that we watched on TV. Don't say the name. <laughs> no, I'm going to say it. Ted Lasso. Anybody watch Ted Lasso? I mean, the meaning behind Ted Lasso, it's fun, it was great, the actors were great, but there's like so much so bad language that the first time I watched it, it's like, ah, oh, I don't think I can do, ooh, ooh. And by, like, episode 11, it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean, though. Like, I got used to it. And I, I wish that it had been a little different. I'm not saying I don't wish I hadn't watched it because the, some of the story behind it's really great. But I just got used to whatever that guy's name was that just had a very limited vocabulary. <laughs> He was my favorite character, though, but yeah. All right, so I um, read Romans chapter 12 uh, to you, and it was the NIV version. I'd like to share the message version of that same scripture because it gives it a little bit of a different twist. Remember, this is a paraphrase of scripture. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Here's the line. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture, that's what happened to me while I was watching that show, that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. So Peterson you know, says, embrace what God does for you. Don't be so well-adjusted to that around you that you don't even see it anymore. It doesn't, it's like, oh, yeah, that's like normal stuff. Allow God, I love this part, to develop well-formed maturity. That doesn't mean getting old. That means growing and becoming more mature in our relationship with Jesus. Hmm. You know, but we're talking a whole lot more here than just language or um, actions or relations, sexual relations, marriage, all that kind of stuff. We're talking more than just that. We're talking about our lives. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Here's my life, Lord. Think about if you did that, here, Lord, here's my life, here's my offering, would that change the way you viewed 
what you did, what, how you spoke, how you related to those around. Here, Lord, here's my life. Wow. Um, I, I, I was getting the brakes on my car fixed. And um, the guy who was doing it, um, I, I know him and uh, know his family. And, 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 and the idea, uh, the concept of tithing came up. And his, his mother had, had started tithing in church at the most inopportune time in her life. She, she was going through a divorce. She had two kids. She didn't have much, you know, uh, extra money is ridiculous. She hardly had enough money. And she said, you know, at, at the time, well, why not? It, it, couldn't, it couldn't get any worse than it is. So she starts tithing. And, and she told me, you know, I was never sorry that I did that. God always came through. I was never without. God always provided, always had enough. And her son, who's fixing my brakes, talking about that, said, I, that concept did not make any sense, that given 10%. That did not make any sense to this kid at all. He, you know, it was crazy. You know, he had a lot of toys, if you know what I mean, big, big boy toys, and he, liked, he enjoyed his toys. But to give 10% to, like, the church, hello, why in the world would he do that? Why would he, he tithe? And, and, you know, I think the culture in general would feel that same. In fact, a lot of people in church, I think, feel that. Wait a minute, 10%? What do you, I'll give two, three. You know, the average giving, I think, uh, in, thank you, my method is like 2% or less. So 10% is like in, in, insane. And the reason is, I think not so much the money thing, but it's a perspective thing. It's the perspective of mine. Say mine. Feels good, doesn't it? <laughs> That's mine. And, and when we think of it as mine, then to give it away is kind of hard to... I'll give you a little bit, but 10%? Come on. That's great. Now, what if we flip that instead of saying it's mine? We say it's God's. 100%. 100% is God's. Well, wait a minute, where's mine? Well, God lets us use 90. Well, that's pretty generous. I was having trouble giving up 10. He's given me 90. That's, per, that's, that's pretty generous. It's a whole different in perspective, isn't it? Whole different way of thinking. Yeah. Um, I remember when our attitude about money changed. You know, and we started uh, realizing that it was God's and not ours. And, and we started tithing, and wow. That changed everything. That changed everything. Uh, you were handling the money at that point, right? I was, and I tended to hold on longer. And I have the gift of giving, so it wasn't, you know, she has the gift of being I, careful. <laughs> I still remember it felt like chains came off of me because I wasn't so focused on it. It's like, okay, I'm just going to do what you tell me to do, God. And it, it changed. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and God can, can provides... Yeah. And continues to provide, even when things were really tight, we provided, you know, and, and, and he did and continues to do. And, and we choose to follow God's norms when, rather than society's norms, and God provides. Yeah. So let's take a look at Colossians, that's in the second half of the Bible, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And again, this is a paraphrase, Eugene Peterson, the message. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, 
Act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with things right in front of you. Look up. Be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Wow. See things from his perspective. Try to look at the world through his eyes. I try to wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to put on your glasses to try to see the world like you see Jesus instead of the way I see. And then throughout the day when I feel something enter and it's like, okay, I need to see through your eyes. It's not natural. But that's what, the, when we see one another or a situation through the eyes of Christ, just think about the transformation of the world. Think about the transformation of our relationships. Think about the transformation of our community. Seeing things through the eyes of Christ. Being focused on things of God while dealing with the, the day-to-day and the here and now. Knowing this, society's norms have a shelf life. They're temporary. God's norms have a shelf life that is measured by eternity. Hmm. At best, everything that we experience when it's on our own is fleeting. It's like shifting sand. And when it's in with God's perspective, God is the same today, yesterday, tomorrow. God is consistent in God's character, in God's nature, and we can trust who God is and what God's plan is and what God's promises are because God's not a promise breaker. God is a promise keeper. And so all this deserves some serious consideration when we're resisting God's norms. It takes a little bit of introspection. Why do we resist God's norms? You know, but it's so easy for us to focus on the things of this world. Societal norms rather than God's norms. You know, we like to be liked, most of us. Right? I mean, um, that usually goes along with fitting into society, not rocking the boat, being faithful to what's going on around us, the trends. And yet we need to be cautious. Uh, We need to take care. We need to be on high alert because it's easy for us to become distracted sidetracked by the things of this world. It's always challenging to go against the grain, isn't it? To, to stand up for the things of God, to be, to be anti-culture. If the culture is anti-God. And the culture we're in oftentimes is these days. Yet that's what we're called to do. 
to be the voice of one calling in the wilderness. You remember that guy, don't you? John the baptizer. He's kind of countercultural, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Because he wasn't pointing at society saying, yeah, that's... He was always pointing to Jesus. Always pointing in the direction of Jesus. Not the, not the direction of the world. Direction of the world, that's easy to do. It's not easy to point to Jesus, but it's necessary. It's important. It's absolutely crucial. So, y'all know that I like to be liked. I don't like to be, disappoint anybody. I want to do my job and do it well, whatever that might be. Uh, back when I was uh, working in, at Peninsula Regional in Salisbury, Maryland, I was a critical care nurse, and so I was working in the ICU, and um, I can remember running into the break room to grab a cup of coffee, <laughs> And when I walked in, the conversation stopped. And I like, oh, this is a little uncomfortable. I was like 25 at the time. This is uncomfortable. And then I realized that they were talking trash, you know, stuff that they probably shouldn't have been saying because I wasn't like a, a perfect little church girl at, that, at all. But something made them stop talking. And um, I'm like, okay. And I went back to bed 12 and started fiddling with all my stuff, all the person stuff. And I thought, man, I feel left out. I want to know what they're talking about. I want to hear the joke. And then it's like, no, you don't. And if it takes you feeling a little uncomfortable, Carrie, to tell them to stop talking, maybe that's who you need to be. But I'm just telling you, it didn't feel good. And sometimes it doesn't when we don't necessarily engage. And that includes gossip stuff. I mean, don't, that's not God stuff. Just stop or stop the conversation. It's so important. So let's take a look at the book of Hebrews. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 12. And the writer of Hebrews compares the focus on God to a race. You know, you're running a race. And that race is surrounded by saints, those who have gone before us. Take a look. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Boy, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. As Alexandra Hoover shares in her book, Without Wavering, as we grow in our relationship with God, as our roots grow stronger, as in our words this morning, we follow the norms of God rather than the norms of society, the key is to fix our eyes on Jesus. 
to focus on Jesus, to lock our eyes on Jesus. Hoover says, when we do that, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we're able to, uh, in the words found later on in the book of Hebrews in verses 12, 13, and 14, we're able to strengthen our feeble arms and weak knees. We're able to walk in wisdom. We're able to live in peace with everyone. And here's the real, the real kicker. We're able to be holy. Say holy. Say be holy. So what does that mean? <laughs> what means set apart for God? It means consecrated. It doesn't mean removing ourselves from one another and being holier than thou. In fact, that hurts us. That hurts Christ when we act like that. But it means to try in our own lives, not pointing the fingers at anybody else, but in our own lives, to shift from a life of sin to a life of holiness. A life of sin to a life of holiness. I mess up or I sin every day, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, show me where I do that, C correct me, and help me shift from that to what you want. That's what this is talking about. We shared in Colossians 3, um, this holy, what we shared in Colossians 3 was to fix our eyes on Jesus, to set our mind not on earthly things, but set our mind above, putting on the characteristics of Christ-likeness. Hoover says that left on our own, when we try to be good, or I dare say, live a holy life on our own, she says it's exhausting and it's an impossible endeavor. It is. We run out. We run out of our own selves. We run out of our strength. Jesus never runs out. The strength of God never runs out. God never sleeps or slumbers. God is always there. God is never going to say, sorry, I am out of energy today to deal with this. No. The same today, yesterday, tomorrow. If we put ourselves in the hand of God, that's what it means. It's a surrender. Isaiah 64, 8, yet you, Lord, are our Father. Can you say the rest with me? We are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hand. When we do that, when we put ourselves in God's hand, we are transformed more and more. Our lives each day, we experience transformation. And I might go some steps up and then a step back and then God says, uh-uh-uh, and then, okay, another step up. As we become more Christ-like, we take on the likeness of Jesus. The likeness of Jesus. That's what we're called to. That, that's what it means to be a Christian. To be more like Christ. To, um, to be his eyes, his, his, his ears, his mouth, his feet, his hands. For people to see Christ when they see us. And I don't mean the guy with, you know, that you see in the pictures with the 
I don't mean the, the image, I mean the person of Christ. I mean to see in what we do, in what we say, in how we act, they, they, they feel the essence of Jesus Christ in all those things. Not, not only to see the, the suffering servant who died on a cross to offer his saving grace to each and every one of us, but to see Jesus Christ who offers hope and healing to a broken and suffering world. The world, the world itself can't offer that. That's not what the world does. Jesus and Jesus alone offers us that. And, and, and those who don't resist faithfully follow Jesus and his norms, what we're talking about today. So the likeness of Christ, what does that look like in you and me? It means being grace-filled. It means sharing unconditional love and regard for one another, those we know, those we don't. It means extending radical hospitality no matter what. It means extending a mercy to somebody who may not deserve it, who may... Yeah, but don't we get mercy from God? It means forgiveness as God forgave us. Grace. It means being kind and compassionate and putting on a wardrobe each day of, of love and peace, and kindness, and patience, and now I'm talking the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. So, I know that this message might have been a, we know that this message might have been a hard one to hear. It's, it's hard for us, too, because we're, we're in it just like y'all are. And, yeah, I did watch Ted Lasso, and I might not, you know, I have all that in my head. And um, Christ wants the best for us. In Bible study on Friday, one of my dearest friends reminded us that Jesus is more interested in our character than our comfort. Let's say that again. Christ is more interested in our character than our comfort. And I have to say that sometimes the norm fitting in brings comfort temporarily. It does. But Jesus is our model and often and does call us to think higher and go lower. Think higher and go lower. Get on our face, get on our knees. That's what we're called to. His character is love and grace and mercy and peace. And we're talking about the resistance. Why would we resist that? Many of you are living proof of how God has strengthened you, how you've been able to endure hard stuff and still feel a sense of joy and peace in your hearts. I know we're proof of 
God's correction. Uh, the Holy Spirit saying, whoa, get back in line. It's like, okay, bring it on. If you need to show me that, if you want to talk to me and discipline me, please. I mean, I'm in the place in my life and say, like, just do it, and I'll try. Just do it. And all this is pushing us toward holiness. Remember, we're in the world. We're in community, but we're not of the world. That's a hard concept, but that's how it goes. And so when we, when I stray, when I like go off the road a little bit, here's the great news. Jesus just picks me back up, dusts me off, says, okay. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. And then you go, then you try it again. And then I fall, he picks me up again, dusts me off. I'm like, okay, I'm learning a little bit more. And I go on my way time and time again. Now that kind of love, the love of our Father, God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit that guides us, that's hard to resist. That's hard to resist. This is the good news, Connection family. Let's live it. And let's believe it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, you lay it out in your word. And first of all, I know that we have to know what you say in order to do what you say. So help us carve out time, maybe five minutes at first or 10 minutes or 15 minutes to teach us through your scripture, through your word about right living. You are consistent cover to cover from page one in Genesis to the very end in Revelation, you are consistent in what you teach us. God, when we uh, go off the road, thank you for your love that calls us back. And there's nothing that we've done that you would throw us away for. You just keep calling us and holding us and loving us as we walk this out each and every day in our daily living in our comings and goings. God, help us reflect you in our words, in our actions to those around us, even when it's a little bit hard. Thank you for this time. Thank you that in Christ alone, we can stand. I thank you and praise you in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.